politics, culture, chaos. It's time to make sense of it all. It's time to have a little fun. This is your afternoon dose of sanity. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. It is a beautiful, beautiful day. I decided to relocate my home studio to the outdoors today. It's just gorgeous out. It's great. You've got to be outside on a day like today, right? Uh, and if you're MSNBC and you just got kicked out of the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, you be outside all you want. Oh, yeah. Wait till you hear all about that. What a bunch of losers, man. I mean, wouldn't you think they'd care about the judicial process? I told you, people that one point pretended that they cared about civil liberties. I guess it was all an act. Good morning. Good afternoon. Where are we? Yes, afternoon. Hope your day is going well. A lot of updates to give you this afternoon. And by the way, I should mention as well, you know, as we're monitoring, apparently now, I don't know if Biden's going to speak or not. I think he might be doing some sort of bill signing or something. But Snark's just wrapped up today. Uh, Snark's just wrapped up the fact that Joe Biden said his his uh, his old friend Xi Jinping I talked about his his old friend Xi Jinping. Now, you know, it's not often I side with Bernie Sanders on things, but what what what's what Bernie Sanders came out today and said regarding salt, the state and local tax deduction. Now, remember something. I'm I'm all for giving people deductions, but this is a cynical, cynical trick being used by Democrats to try to convince the Democrats in moderate districts in places like New Jersey, where the where the constituents are getting killed by taxes. It's it's a trick to try to convince them to go along with all the socialist spending. So that they can go for the socialist spending and then they can go back and they can tell everybody, uh, listen. I got you the the salt deduction back because right now it's capped at $10,000. And some of these people are paying $50,000 alone just on property taxes, plus their state income taxes. So you used to be able to deduct all of that. Now now it's capped at $10,000. Now the Democrats are going to raise it to $80,000. And you'd say, why why wouldn't you go along with that? Well, because A, number one, it's essentially now a giant gift to California, New York, and New Jersey. That's number one. The bluest of the blue states, where there's no accountability for the governors and the legislature that keep raising prices and raising taxes and spending money and raising budgets. And so all these local taxes go up and there's no accountability because they go, I ah, just write it off. Ah, just write it off. Don't worry about that. You just write it off. So that's number one. Number two, the other issue I have with all this, of course, is that this is done entirely to get them to vote for what is going to amount to be $5.5 trillion of new spending in their socialist build back Bolshevik plan. So it's entirely disingenuous. It'd be one thing if they were doing it in a separate thing, but this is designed to get the votes of like, here I am in South Jersey right now, right? Congressman here is Andy Kim. He's running in a district that used to be held by Tom MacArthur. John Runyon had it at one point. John Adler had it. In other words, Democrats and Republicans. It could go either way. And we're redistricting. It could easily go back into the hands of Republicans. Andy Kim knows this, so he doesn't want to vote for the Build Back Bolshevik plan, but if he can get SALT done for everybody and say, look at the big deduction you can get now, well, then he can go along with SALT, I guess, and he thinks he'll get some cover. We're not going to let him get cover, but that's the plan. That's the strategy here. And like I said, it's a cynical, cynical strategy. Will it work? I don't know. I don't think so. Because even as much as I would love to be able to deduct more of my property taxes in in this blue state hellhole of New Jersey, as much as I would love to do that, the reality is I don't want to have to then pay for five and a half trillion dollars of new spending and, and a gigantic expansion of government for social welfare. The biggest expansion since what? FDR? No, thanks. I'm good. I'm good. I'll, I'll keep the $10,000 cap 
that the Republicans put in years ago under Trump when they capped it at ten thousand dollars. And then I'll, I'll take that. And then I'll say no to the five and a half trillion dollars of new spending that from cradle to grave socialism, where they take care of you, uh, your preschool and then your college and everything else along the way. But it's like one without the other. Here's a couple of other things here today. This is this is uh, Snarks wrapping up her press conference today. Aren't you kind of curious why the entire investigation to the origins of COVID-19 just suddenly disappeared? I want, to, I want to address that, too, this afternoon. I'm trying to react to a lot of stuff in real time because this just wrapped up a few moments ago. But Snarks was asked about that today. Why is it? His good buddy Xi Jinping, he's on, he's on the Zoom call with Xi. Why is it that the president won't ask Xi in the Zoom call about the origins of COVID-19? Why is he not demanding a real thorough investigation, an actual investigation? And then following up on the meeting with President Xi, American intel agencies have told the president they cannot crack the origins of COVID without China's help. President Biden had a chance to ask for China's help. Why didn't he? Well, I would say that the president's uh, push for uh, the Chinese to be participate more, provide more transparent data and information. We've never held back on that front. We've uh, argued for it publicly. We argued for it at every level. And the president did talk in his meeting about the importance of transparency, which is this is exactly an example of. He talked about the importance of transparency, but did he ask President Xi to cooperate specifically with this U.S. intel agency-led investigation into the origins of COVID? Peter, it's clear that that's what we want. That's what we've been pressing on. I don't have any more to, to read out for you from the meeting. You're saying that it's clear. Is it clear to somebody who has a Zoom meeting with the president that that's what he means if that's not what he says? I think the president has spoken publicly on this a number of times. Our national security officials have conveyed very clearly. I don't think it's a secret. That's what we want. That's what we've been pressing for. Well, yes, but we want it, but we're not going to push him on it. So we're going to have a Zoom call with Xi, but we're not going to actually push him on it. That's just one thing. We're not going to really actually, you know, I mean, Xi, come on. You can't expect us to actually, you know, ask the guy about it. Hang on, there's a yellow jacket. I gotta kill him. Okay, that's a dead yellow jacket now. Oh, make sure he's really dead so he can't call on his friends. I always do that. They call him the, the backup, the posse. Uh, I got stung by one of these last week. I was splitting wood in the backyard, and uh, all of a sudden, I felt the biggest, most painful thing on my thumb. I didn't know what was happening. I looked down as a yellow jacket stabbing me. These things are nasty, aren't they? I wish that we're go away already. It's November. Should people go to Florida or something? You yellow jackets. Anyway, uh, so so that's something right now that's going on. It, it's just it's just the obfuscation of all this. It really is. Uh, so then Snarks was asked about the tax cuts or excuse me, tax and spending plan, and this is something that's going to give tax cuts to two thirds of the millionaires out there, and it will raise taxes on middle class. That's something it will do. And Snarks was asked about that today at the White House. And the House could vote as soon as tonight to advance the Build Back Better bill Mm -hmm. for the president. He has touted this, of course, as he did yesterday in Michigan, as a big boost for the middle class. Is he comfortable where the current provisions stand for these state and local tax deductions, given it would be a pretty significant tax break for the wealthy? Well, uh, let me start by... First, um, you know, obviously wasn't what he proposed in his initial package, as you know, but uh, just to come back to that. Um, the president uh, also, though, has, it's been conveyed to him by leaders in the House and Senate that this needs to be included in order for this legislation to move forward. And uh, he certainly understands that. See, this salt legislation has to be included so that those Democrats in moderate districts can go back to their constituents and say, look, I got you the salt deduction. 
Oh, and also got you five and a half trillion dollars of new socialist spending. It's going to cost you probably to, you know, but other than that, it's a scam. The whole thing's a scam. Really, and, and when the Republicans capped the SALT deduction, I remember this years ago, I was at first opposed to the idea because I don't like any time the uh, government gets to take more of my money. But then it occurred to me, you know, if my taxes in New Jersey are capped in terms of what I can deduct, maybe maybe someone will be held accountable. Maybe, maybe Democrats will be held accountable finally. Maybe King Philip the Unaccountable will actually become accountable. But if you could just write it off to the feds, and have every other taxpayer in America essentially then subsidize it, if you want to think about it that way, because of how they budget things. Well, then, what's the accountability? Ah, we got, just write it off. You just write it off. Bernie's not happy about it. I think it's bad politics. It's bad policy. Uh, the Democrats correctly have campaigned on the understanding that amidst massive income and wealth inequality, we've got to demand that the wealthy stop paying their fair share of taxes, not give them more tax breaks. The bottom line here is we have to help the middle class, not the 1%. If the Senate strips out uh, paid family leave, four weeks of that, uh, because Joe Manchin says he's not for it, and Bernie Sanders gets the Senate to strip out state and local tax deductions, uh, then it goes back to the House, and what happens? It's dead. That's what happens. Also, I should mention salt uh, is directly tied to your blood pressure going up, which is also a problem that I have, but also uh, yelling constantly and uh, yelling about billionaires and they want to put me on uh, blood pressure medication. But no, I'm not going to give Big Pharma any more excuses to get rich off me, okay? Uh, no, no, thank you very much. Except, uh, for the vaccine for COVID. I'll take as many boosters as, uh, booster away, as Bernie says. Booster away. So that's where things are with that. Now, so the, so the Build Back Bolshevik plan might be dead in the House, uh, after all. Is this something how this goes back and forth? You notice that? This goes back and forth and back and forth and... It really is remarkable how that happens, but... I guess, I guess the other question I'd have to ask, too when I think about it, is uh, whether or not they really care if it dies. Really, I mean, do they care if it dies? Think about it. I mean, if they get nothing done at this point, are they really upset? Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, but don't they want to go back and campaign on something? No, I don't think they do, actually. I think it's the opposite. I think that what, they, what they're afraid to do, actually, is, uh, is go back and campaign and then deliver something that's not full-on socialist. I really do. I think that that's their bigger concern. I think they'd rather get nothing done than get something that makes the moderate Democrats and the DNC and all the other power brokers happy. You know why? Because we're dealing with radicals, that's why. We're dealing, and whenever you deal with radicals and you're not dealing with people who are sane and rational, they want the extremes of everything. They want the extremes of everything, and that's where we're going with this. So, so then think about that in the context of you are a super lefty member of Congress. You're Rashida Tlaib. You're uh, AOC. And they come to you and they say, we're going to cut it in half. We're going to take out parental leave. And we're going to put in the SALT deduction. You just say, no. no. No, I'm not doing it. We're not playing your moderate Democrat games anymore. It's funny, too, because that's what they, they think it's moderate, right? We're not playing your little Democrat moderate reindeer games. So could the whole thing be dead? Yeah, it's possible. I, th- I think they'd be fine with that. I really do. I think it could be fine with that. Certainly possible. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to give you a couple other updates too. This is just some stuff kind of breaking as we speak right now. It's the beauty of doing the afternoon podcast here. The beauty of it. 
The other point, too, when you think about taxes and spending and Democrats, the key point for them is change and transformation. Now, do you remember what, what Kamala Harris said? We played it on the morning show for you this morning. She said, COVID is our opportunity now to do a fundamental transformation of America. Sure. They get more government power, more spending. You give up, you acquiesce more of your liberty for this virus, the safety and security of all of it. And then, you know, they get to do what they want, which is, and what they want is they get to turn around and do things like taxpayer funding for abortion. Sure. I mean, they're transforming America. They just, they just cram it into these massive packages. They just cram it in these, everything that they want, every huge lefty priority they cram in to these gigantic packages. And I mean, who's going to say no to this? Because we, we have a crisis, right? With COVID, we got to spend, we got to spend money, we got to take care of people. And that's what they're doing right now. And the Speaker of the House confirmed as much today that taxpayers will, in fact, taxpayer dollars will go to pay for abortion. The vampiric one at her press conference today. The amendment are still not in the reconciliation bill, but weeks ago, Chairman Jeffrey said that anything is on the table. Is that still the position? It's not in the bill. It's not in the bill. Thank you for your question. It's not in the bill. Yeah, the Hyde Amendment's not in the bill. Not in the bill. We are going to pay for abortions. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your question. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Every time you, I, I just think of those, remember the dogs in Ghostbusters, the original one, that were always hanging around with Gozar the Gozarian? That just kind of reminds me of the way she talks sometimes. <laughs> All right, so let me bring you the updates on the Kyle Rittenhouse um, debacle here of a trial, this sham trial, which needs to, they need a mistrial. They really do at this point. They need a mistrial. And maybe, maybe the judge will give it to him. I, the judge is furious for what NBC and MSNBC did. Uh, this is what happened here. So a journalist from NBC News was photographing jury members after MSNBC was banned from the Rittenhouse trial. So MSNBC was banned from the trial because MSNBC was accused of doxing the jurors. And doxing means when you, you basically reveal who they are publicly. And there's various different forms of doxing that could happen. This is NBC News denying this. Play you a little bit of this of this story here. Welcome back. Turning now to Kenosha, Wisconsin, in day three of deliberations in the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. The jury is deciding on five charges against Rittenhouse, including multiple homicide charges, after he shot three men during protests in Kenosha last August, leaving two dead and wounding the third. Shaquille Brewster has been covering this trial for us from Kenosha. Shaquille, what is the latest there? Well, Chuck, you mentioned jury deliberations continue through day three that we're on right now. We have not gotten any question, any update from the jury. You do know that yesterday the jury did ask for to see more videos. We know that is going to be a crucial part of this case, and they continue their deliberations. Now, we did see the judge take the stand or come to the bench earlier today for an unrelated matter. This happened outside of the presence of the jury, and he responded to a report that we got from the Kenosha Police Department last night saying that a member of the media was suspected of following the jury van after court yesterday. The judge named a member from MSNBC. He said he's uh, he's taking this extremely seriously. He went on to say that he is investigating this further, and we also know that he's banning members 
members from MSNBC, any MSNBC personnel from the courthouse at this time. Now, uh, NBC spokesperson did release a statement. Let's put that up on the screen right now. It says, last night, a freelancer received a traffic citation while the traffic violation took place near the jury van. The freelancer never contacted or, or intended to contact the jurors during deliberations and never photographed or intended to photograph them. We regret the incident and will fully cooperate with authorities on any investigation. Again, Chuck, all of this happening outside the presence of the jury that is still in their deliberations. Again, we're on day three now of those. All right. So that's that's what, of course, NBC is denying anything. Now, this guy, this this freelancer is a nutbag. He really is. He's a certified lunatic. James G. Morrison. He's a crazy, crazy guy. And the judge was furious about all this, as you can imagine. I mean, banning MSNBC from the courtroom, which they probably should have done from the beginning. MSNBC, they're not a news station. Let's be honest. They are a, they are a left-wing, radical left-wing propaganda station. And so why, why are they there? I mean, there, there's, there's nothing newsworthy about MSNBC. They are, in fact, a corporate entity of NBC, which is owned by, of course, Comcast. And, I mean, they, you know... They're not pretending to be news anymore, even. They're just so far left. They're the far left product that Xfinity Comcast puts out. It's the truth. Um, last evening, um, a person who identified himself as James G. Morrison and who claimed that he was a producer with NBC News, employed uh, for N- MSNBC, um, and under the supervision of a person, what's going on? Oh, okay. Uh, under the supervision of someone named Irene Bayon in New York uh, for MSNBC. Uh, the police, when they stopped him because he was following at a distance of about a, a block and uh, went through a red light, pulled him over and inquired of him what was going on and he gave that information and stated that he had been instructed by Ms. Bayon in New York to follow the jury bus. Uh, The matter is uh, under further investigation at this point. Um, And the media has asked questions about it. That's the latest I have. Um, And he was ticketed for uh, uh, violating a traffic control signal. Uh, he's not here today, from what I'm told, and um, I have instructed that no one from MSNBC News will be permitted in this building for the duration of this trial. Uh, this is a very serious matter, and I don't know what the ultimate truth of it is, but absolutely it, it would go without much thinking that someone who is following us. The jury bus, uh, that is a very, ex- it's extremely serious matter and uh, will be referred to the uh, proper authorities for further action. They should also know that this comes now as it's very obvious that the prosecution withheld a key piece of evidence from the defense. A key piece of evidence, footage, high definition footage, that clearly shows Kyle Rittenhouse trying to retreat. Clearly shows this. Several times, by the way. Several times trying to retreat and and him being chased. And the prosecution withheld that footage from the defense. Now, it is very, very clear when you have footage like that, when you've got evidence 
it must be turned over to the defense. Defense doesn't have to use it. But the prosecution, the state, has to provide it to the defense. Has to. Can't, can't hide that stuff. Remember, you're an innocent person. You have the right, under the Constitution, to a full defense. It doesn't matter if the left thinks you're guilty. It doesn't matter if MSNBC thinks you're guilty. That's irrelevant. You have a right to a full defense. And as part of that, the state has to turn over whatever evidence they have on you. They can't, they can't hide something that may exonerate you. Just like they can't in the middle of the trial go, oh, look, we have this, which is going to prove your guilt. That stuff's supposed to come out in, in, in disclosure. All that stuff is supposed to come out. The fact that they didn't do that is also grounds for a mistrial. And this footage clearly shows Kyle Rittenhouse had an absolute right to self-defense. There's no question about it. it, it this, this footage destroys the prosecution's case. Single-handedly destroys the prosecution's case. So this trial is a, is a disaster. It's a disaster in every single count. I don't think the prosecution proved their case, but I also think at this point, this is not a fair trial. This, this, this American citizen, like every other American, whether you think he's guilty or you think he's not guilty, it's irrelevant. He deserves a fair trial. The media doesn't get to decide if he doesn't. The left doesn't get to decide if he doesn't. No, that's not how it works. Everyone, Kyle Rittenhouse, me, you, whoever, everyone is supposed to get a fair trial, period. It doesn't matter if other people haven't gotten fair trials. That's the other thing I hear, too. I hear stupid commentators on TV go, well, what about so-and-so? They didn't get a fair trial. That's, 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 that's irrelevant. That's irrelevant. They should have gotten a fair trial, but because they didn't doesn't mean he shouldn't. All the stupid analogies people come up with. Isn't it amazing sometimes how they do that stuff? I mean, it really, it never ceases to amaze me, but they do that stuff all the time. Let's cut through the BS. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. All right, I uh, just want to quickly, the, the, the vampiric one just defending now the $1.7 trillion, $1.75 trillion tax and spending scheme, which, again, when I told you, it's all added up, it's over $5 trillion. But she's defending now this, this SALT deduction now, this massive SALT deduction. Madam Speaker, on the second bullet point on your board there, um, can you respond to the criticism that when all is said and done on this bill, the people who get the biggest tax cut are millionaires who can take advantage of the changes in the state and local tax deductions? Thank you for that question. As a supporter of that particular measure in the bill, I want to just say... You know, by the way, she supports it because she's got a lot of people in California who are bleeding from state and local taxes in addition to federal taxes in her district in San Francisco. Also, why is she there if she's sick? She's clearly sick. She's got a tissue. She's sniffling. And <laughs> are, we, are we at a place now where sick people are going back to work in the House of Representatives? Is that what it is? Oh, right. She's got a mask on. That, that makes everything better. She's standing at the podium, not wearing a mask at the moment, by the way, and she's sniffling. And <laughs> Stay home. Stay home. Nobody needs you coming to work with your sick vampiric germs and bringing your, breathing your vampirism on everyone. Keep playing this here. And thank you for allowing me to clarify what that is about. That's not about tax cuts for wealthy people. It's about services for America's, the American people. In our communities where we have taken care of our people, education, transportation, health care, all of the issues that public service brings to people was slashed by the Trump administration. And we're just turning that over. So this isn't about who gets the tax cut. It's about which states get the revenue that they need in order to meet the needs of the people. And that is a fight that I will continue to make. That, that is still the result, though. I mean, that is still the result. No, it isn't. It isn't the result. Most, that isn't the result. 
the fact is is that the the uh, dynamism that is injected into our states for the people is what is important here and we're not going to have our states with their hands tied behind their back because yeah. Yeah. This is a lie, by the way. This is a lie. This is about individuals taking deductions of the state and local tax deduction. This is a lie. This is money going to the states, not money going to the states. That's a lie. She knows it's a lie, too. And, the, you know, the press is trying to call her out on it. Of course, she's not going to be honest with them either. <laughs> the snorting. Right. And the, just the constant. Now, how's the left appreciating this, by the way? The answer is they're not. They're not appreciating this. And they're pointing out, which I think is a good thing to point out, the fact that this is something that will benefit ultra-wealthy people in blue areas. And they're pointing this out. And the, uh, the left-leaning tax policy center actually estimates that millions of middle-class households would see tax increases under the Build Back Bolshevik plan. And then the tax breaks would go to blue state millionaires under salt. Okay, so that's happening right now. Isn't that amazing how that happens? Isn't that something? I know. I know. And so you don't, you don't think about that, right? Because if you think about it, why would they be honest about any of this stuff? They would never be honest with this stuff. They know it's the truth. They know, by the way, that this is going to screw people. But they don't care. They don't care because they need the votes. They, they, this is about getting the votes of Democrats in moderate districts. That's all it is. That's all this is. And if this is what they have to do to get those votes, then that's what they'll do. And if you think to yourself, well, hey, Rich, I'll benefit from this. I live in New Jersey. No, you're not, you're not going to benefit from it because your kids and my kids and everybody else are going to wind up having to pay trillions and trillions of dollars in new spending. That's why you're not going to benefit from it. That's why nobody's going to benefit from it. That's the reality. That's the truth. And that's what I give you is the truth. So think about politics like this. And you're a very smart person, obviously, so you know this. When the horse trading happens and they got to get the votes and they got to do this and they got to do that. You've got now Democrats in moderate districts. I don't call them moderates. They're not moderates, but they're in moderate districts. They need to do this SALT deduction because they represent areas that people are getting killed with state and local taxes, in addition to the federal taxes that will inevitably be raised. So this deduction is important to them. And in response now, if they get that, they'll turn around and they'll vote for this massive, massive trillions and trillions of dollars of spending. It's going to be a lot higher than $1.7 trillion, no matter what the lies, what lies they tell you. And actually, the Washington Post even points that out today. The Washington Post, John King, CNN, they had a little roundtable about this. And they were talking about what Bernie said. Bernie said earlier that he doesn't like salt. He's more of a Peppa guy. Salt and Peppa. Uh, I, I always thought uh, Peppa was, uh, was oh, no, not, not that. This is what they admit in the conversation today about why this is such a freaking scam. Any, right. Anybody or in the House, if you have a couple of friends... Uh, you are kingmakers. And the longer this is on the vine, members have every right and every reason to say, I like this or I don't like that. That's the way politics works. Right. Another example, uh, Senator Manchin, who gets a lot of attention because he's key on the Senate. There's a tax credit in there for electric vehicles, but it would only go to union uh, shops. And so he says, when I heard about this, they were putting this in the bill. I went right to the sponsor and I said, this is wrong. This can't happen. It's not who we are as a country. It's not how we built this country. And the product should speak for itself. We shouldn't use everyone's tax dollars to pick winners and losers. Again, the longer it's on the vine, if you don't like something, you can stop it. Sure. Nancy Pelosi is rewarding the progressives by having a vote on this at all. She's rewarding the moderates by having things like the salt provision in there. And then she's kicking it all over to the Senate and saying, Godspeed, Chuck Schumer. Uh, you know, Bernie, Bernie's, if you watch the Republican messaging on this, Bernie has a point about it being bad politics. Right. Republicans have seized on the fact that this is one of the largest, this, this tax reduction 
would chiefly go to the rich. And it's one of the largest uh, pieces of this legislation. If you're watching the Republican messaging, it's pretty clear. They think it's great to be able to say the Democrats proposal is going to cut taxes on all these wealthy coastal millionaires. I don't know that they I don't know that they junk it because there was an effort actually led by Bernie Sanders and Senator Menendez to change the salt provision. I think changing it is more likely. The, the, the parental leave and the electric car stuff, I think, is a lot thornier. How does the White House deal with the, the broader dynamics? So think about that, right? Oh, and how does the White House deal with it? It doesn't matter. Biden's poll numbers, new poll just came out. His approval rating right now, Biden, 36%. I mean, I don't think he's going to survive the first term. I really don't. I think this is a disaster for Democrats. New poll just came out a short time ago, Quinnipiac. Now, remember, there are polls that determine or try to, anyway, assess how people are going to vote. Then there's polls that actually measure people based on their moods. That's why Quinnipiac is reliable, because they're not asking people who they're going to vote for. They're actually asking people to tell them how they feel about things. That's why it's more accurate. That's why it works. According to a new poll, they find Republicans, more Americans prefer Republicans to win control of the House and Senate. And 60, was it 68% say higher prices are changing their spending habits. Americans say 46 to 38% they would want to see the Republican Party win control of the House, while 16% did not offer an opinion. Republicans and Democrats overwhelmingly back their own parties, which is not surprising. But among independents and among people that are soft-leaning Democrats, they are looking more for Republicans now. This is a huge deal. This is a big, it's, this is a, a huge deal. They said an ominous double whammy for the Democrats with midterms less than a year out. The Senate and the House will be up for grabs and voters want the GOP to win the jump ball. Boom. I like them apples, huh? This is a disaster. This president is a disaster. There's, there, you, there's no way you can, you can tell me that the Democrats are happy with this guy. They, they can't be. I mean, the progressives are, sure, the kooks, the socialist nutbags, because they can control him. It's very obvious. Uh, but they also don't mind losing these people. They don't mind losing because they think, well, we'll just get it back in two years. That's how they view things. They're like, like, like terrorists. They'll, they'll, they have a thousand-year plan. They really do. Now, you're paying more in prices. I'm paying more in prices. They say this Thanksgiving is going to be the most Thanksgiving in, in 25, 30 years. They're, they're talking about now the gas prices, and you go visit Grandma, and you go through the woods to see Grandma, and you're going to be paying more to fill up your tank. And we, we, we are shutting down drilling in this country. We're shutting it down. Big example, Keystone XL Pipeline. What did Biden do on his first day in office? He gave the environmental whack jobs a major gift by canceling the Keystone XL Pipeline. And he shut off other drilling around the country. And so now we're dependent on OPEC. And they're, and they're, they're lying, too, and they're accusing the, the oil and gas companies of price-gouging consumers. That's a total lie, by the way. So Snarks was asked about this. Hey, look, you, you know, you guys killed the Keystone XL Pipeline which is also going to, by the way, provide millions, I mean, not millions, but thousands of new jobs and millions of dollars in revenue in different ways for taxes and that sort of thing. But, you know, I mean, they're not going to change their mind on this stuff. This is what I mean. Radicals don't rethink their positions. It's all about the, it's it's about the, the, the meaning of it all. You know what I mean? It's about the meaning of it all. They're not pragmatic people. They're, 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 for them, it's entirely about their ridiculous beliefs. It's not about pragmatism because because pragmatic people would turn around and go, all right, we got to do something about this. But no, because if in the short term, everybody pays more, even if they lose. But in the end, they can they can save the climate by destroying oil and natural gas. That's a win for them. That's a win because it's all about their radical policies. It is not about winning. It's not about pragmatism. I mean, winning in the short term. So this is Snark's defending that decision. 
So any consideration to reversing some of the policies um, that led to this, maybe nope. reconsidering the Keystone Pipeline as nope. uh, the Prime Minister of Canada is here? Well, I think the problem with that argument is that the Keystone Pipeline uh, isn't even really functioning. I mean, it was only partially built. It isn't even really functioning. So suggesting that uh, changing that would lower the price of gas, I don't know that that makes substantive sense. Well, but the market looks out. And, you know, they look at, at where it will be in the future and canceling the Keystone Pipeline, not allowing other pipelines to go forward or challenging other pipelines might reduce or, or cause some concern in the market. Well, we look at every pipeline on an individual basis. The President made the decision when only about, I think, 8% of the pipeline had been built not to move forward as we looked at the environmental impacts and weighed them with the economic impacts. Um, and the decision was certainly made. So uh, there's a range of options on the table. I unfortunately don't have anything more to preview for you today, but certainly lowering the, cast, the cost of gasoline, something that people around the world, as you know, are experiencing, not just here in the United States, is of utmost concern and a priority to the president. So even though it wouldn't do anything in the short term, and we know it's going to be a problem now for years and years and years. Why rethink our policy? Because we don't really care if you pay more in, t- in gas taxes. We don't care if you pay more for gas and oil. We want to destroy gas and oil. That's what Biden's nominee said, the one who's in front of the Senate today. That, that, that communist, she's a communist, you know. That's, yeah, no, she admitted it. She said we have to, we have to get rid of oil and natural gas companies. We have to bankrupt them if we're going to save the climate. So we know that. We completely understand. That's what they want to do. That's exactly what they want to do. So why would they rethink a policy? I mean, normal people would, right? Normal people would turn around and go, you know what, we got to redo the Keystone XL pipeline deal because this is bad. This is really, very bad. But again, if, if you're if somebody who cares more about your radical policies than anything else, you know, that's, that's well, I mean, they're not going to change that. So let's turn actually to this control of the currency nominee. This is a this is a nut, this woman. She grew up, she was raised in Moscow. She went to a communist um she went to a communist university, a communist college. She's a communist. She's an outright communist. And Senator uh, Kennedy asked her about this today. She wants to get rid of personal checking accounts. She wants to use the power of the, um, of the Federal Reserve, essentially now, and the federal banking policy and the Treasury to choose winners and losers. Now, a great example of this is you don't allow, say, gun manufacturers to have bank accounts. You don't allow oil and natural gas companies to have bank accounts. You don't allow conservative groups to have bank accounts. You can destroy them that way, theoretically speaking. Now, it's going to get harder, thank God, thanks to digital currency like Bitcoin and other things. It'll be harder for the government to do that, but that's what they would do. Again, use the powers of government to shut down their political enemies because we're living in essentially now a police state. Oh, we are. Remember, a police state is when the government uses its law enforcement and actual security powers to affect political change. It's not cops on horseback. It's not cops spraying pepper gas. It's the federal government primarily using its law enforcement division, whatever that is, whatever entities make that make that up for political purposes. So in this case, if it's the is the powers of the Treasury to decide now certain groups should not be able to access the American banking system by having checking accounts because they're domestic terror groups like the NRA or or they're domestic terror groups like Exxon. See what I mean? Then, then the idea would be to, to drive them out of business because they can't make money, they can't do money. They can't, do, they can't exchange money and do money too. This is what radicals think. This is how radicals think. Now, like I said, with cryptocurrency, it will get harder, but it's going to be a long time until that system's worked out. So in the short term, you could do amazing damage. I mean, it could be devastating to these industries. 
I don't mean any disrespect. I, I don't know whether to call you professor or comrade. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Senator. She's comptroller of the currency, this woman. I'm not a communist. The, the nominee. I do not subscribe to that ideology. I could not choose where I was born. I did not, I do not remember joining any Facebook group that subscribes to that ideology. I would never knowingly join any such group. There is no record of me ever actually participating in any Marxist or communist discussions of any kind. My family suffered under the communist regime. I grew up without knowing half of my family. My grandmother herself escaped death twice under the Stalin regime. Let's understand something. This is a very good answer, right? I mean, clearly well rehearsed and well scripted. That's not what he's asking her. And no, nobody, nobody's asking her if she supports communism under the sense of, of, of Joseph Stalin. It's the philosophies of Karl Marx is the question. And she's not denying that. And she never will, by the way. This is what's seared in my mind. That's who I am. I remember that history. I came to this country. I'm proud to be an American. And this is why I'm here today, Senator. I'm here today because I'm ready for public service. Thank you, Professor. I, uh, I check with my staff, Senator Kennedy. I've never interrupted you or uh, they believe anybody. Well, that's not other true, Mr. Mr. Chairman. And I'm entitled to ask my questions. And, and you were. And you were. I didn't interrupt you when you gave your introduction. And I don't like being interrupted when I'm asking I, my questions. Senator Kennedy, I heard. It's called heard, senatorial courtesy. I understand that. And there's also senatorial courtesy. And you may disagree treating, with me. Treating, that's why you no. have five minutes and I have five minutes. Senator Kennedy, I, senatorial courtesy is also also not doing character assessment. I heard Senator Scott. Well, that's your opinion. 30 Jerry. minutes that's ago. That's my opinion. 30 I'm, minutes ago, I heard Senator Scott. Me, but I'm entitled to answer questions without you interrupting me. You and I don't agree. I still like you. We're friends. You have the right to your opinion, but I've got the right to mine. And you can't just interrupt me when I'm asking my question. You still got a full, five, like you still got a full five minutes. And you've Senator done it before. Scott, Senator Scott, just a moment ago, said nobody on his side has done any kind of communist insinuation of her character and her background. He just said that, so I'm hopeful that Senator Scott and maybe perhaps Senator Tillis or Senator Toomey or Senator Kramer will call out those people that do character well, do you not think Senator, Senator Warren is a member of the Young Communists? I, I'm, I'm not here to answer your question, Senator Kennedy. Senator Warren is recognized for five minutes from Massachusetts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She joined a Marxist Facebook group to discuss socialist and anti-capitalist views. That's what she did. She joined a... But she's denying that, of course. And she's now trying to say, like, well, Stalin was a bad guy. We know Stalin was a bad guy. How many times have you heard this from people in college who are communists? The problem with communism is just they just have, they've done it wrong. And then they point out all the horrible dictators. Like, well, that guy was just bad. But the policies are good. That's what you hear. That's what you hear all the time, by the way, from especially college kids with hacky sacks. Well, you know, Che Guevara, man, I mean, yeah, he killed people, but like, but his policies were good. His thoughts were good. In 2019, you joined a Facebook group, a Marxist Facebook group, to discuss socialist and anti-capitalist views. Now, that's what I see from your record. And you have the right to believe every one of these things. You do. This is America. But... I don't mean any disrespect. I, I don't know whether to call you professor or comrade. I love that. I think it's funny, actually. <laughs> professor or comrade. 
Senator Tim Scott went after her for her disdain of the financial services industry, and that's what this is really about, isn't it? It's about that. It's not whether she thinks Joseph Stalin's a good guy or not. It's about her disdain for the financial services industry, and I'm telling you right now, this is the problem. The power that this nominee can do, and and all of them, to, to decide who gets to be part of the banking system and who doesn't. That's what it's all about. And Senator Tim Scott, one of the brightest minds out there. I will be frank. Did a very good job with this. And honest. I cannot think of a nominee more poorly suited to be the comptroller of the currency based solely on your public positions, statements, and the weight of your writings than you are. Let me just quote you versus anybody else. On the Green New Deal champion, you propose taking economic and climate policy making from Congress and creating an unaccountable bureaucracy called the National Investment Authority. In a roundtable this year, this year, you push to make the NIA the dedicated institutional platform at the federal level for really being the kind of fighting muscle of the Green New Deal and fighting See, muscle of, you exactly know, all of about. these other movements that pursuing environmental justice, social, economic justice, equality, and so on. See, you've picked the groups you like. You pick the groups you don't. You use the powers of government to help the groups you like. You use the powers of government to hurt and crush the groups you don't like, like oil and natural gas, for example. Your disdain for the financial services industry. In 2019, in the documentary titled, I'll, I'll be kind, Buttholes, A Theory, you said <laughs> the financial services industry, in my view, and I don't think I'm alone here, is the quintessential butthole industry. <laughs> Killing American Energy and Jane Family Institute seminar in March of this year, you proposed bankrupting the coal and oil and gas industries, saying we want them to go bankrupt if we want to tackle the climate t- change. That's really hard to misunderstand. On nationalizing banking last year, I 2020, not 10 years ago, not 20 years ago, right. just you were last, kid, year. last year. Exactly. Paper you titled The People's Ledger, How to Democratize Money and Finance the Economy. You proposed reforms to, and I quote, effectively in banking as we know it by nationalizing, the quote you had was effectively ending banking as we know it, How? By nationalizing retail banking. As it relates to the end of private banking, your words, no one else's. This year, not five years ago, not 10 years ago, not 20 years ago, this year, you said you proposed to imagine what it would be like if instead of a just a public option for deposit banking, just (laughs) instead of just a public option for deposit banking, this would be actually the full transition. In other words, there would be no more private bank deposit accounts and all of the deposit accounts would be held directly at the Fed. I want to say that one more time because this is what really, among all the other comments, it's quite disturbing. This is not a position that you took Years ago, this is something that you spoke to this year. And I quote, imagine what it would be like if 
instead of just a public option for deposit banking, this would be actually the full transition. In other words, there would be no more private bank deposit accounts and all of the deposit accounts will be head held directly at the Fed. I don't have any questions for you because there's nothing you can say today to undo what you said for years, including this year. Oh, see, I mean, that's great. Good, good. Bravo, bravo, Senator Scott. It, it's just it's just amazing that we even have a nominee like this. But this is this is our country right now. The, the chairman of the Senate Budget Committee is a is a communist, Bernie Sanders, a socialist. So. I'm just saying, by the way, uh, the, the, the new thing right now is that uh, Bernie, um, sorry, Biden says now that the CBO, Congressional Budget Office, can't score his Build Back Better thing because they're scoring it really at uh, over $5 trillion. So now they're saying, no, they don't have the ability to score it. Uh, Congressional Budget Office, they can't score it. But it turns out years ago, he was on CNN and with Larry King, of all people. And he said the CBO was the gold standard. Again, I don't know one single serious econometric model from the conservatives to the liberals who acknowledge that anything other than we created a minimum of 1.6 million jobs to and the estimates for the CBO, which is really a, you know, as you know, the gold standard, no Republican or Democrat questions to say we created or saved over 2 million jobs. Well, they, they question it now. They question the CBO now. And the reason why they do is because the CBO says his Build Back Bolshevik plan is going to be a whole lot more expensive. That's why. But most important thing of the day today, by far, is Bernie versus the moon. That's right. Bernie Sanders now is going against the moon. I don't know if he's a full denier that the moon exists. He's certainly a denier of the fact that Jeff Bezos will be able to go there again. Bernie's not happy with this, as you can imagine, because he hates Jeff Bezos. He does. He hates him because of Amazon.com. He hates the guy. Unbelievably, this bill would provide and authorize some $10 billion in taxpayer money to Jeff Bezos, the second wealthiest person in America, for his space race with Elon Musk, the wealthiest person in America. Their little space race. This is beyond laughable. And I will be introducing an amendment to strike this provision. I mean, what does the guy think he's going to deliver Amazon Prime on the moon? There's not even uh, people there to receive the packages. It's the truth, actually. Just saying. Frankly, it is not acceptable. It's not an issue that we have discussed terribly much. But it is not acceptable that the two wealthiest people in this country, Mr. Musk and Mr. Bezos, Take control of our space efforts to return to the moon and maybe even the extraordinary accomplishment of getting to the moon. This is not something for two billionaires to be directing. This is something for the American people to be determining. I'm just saying, though, you know, in Bezos' defense, the guy does know how to deliver stuff. Just, I'm just saying. Because my, my Amazon stuff does usually... Most part, get on, get here on time. That's all. Just point that out. All right, have a great rest of your day today. We'll see where things go in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Sure, there'll be lots of updates for you tomorrow morning. Thank you so much for listening. Appreciate it.